now that we've gone to, uh, you know, no pictures on the phones, I'm very confused how it knew to put Drew in, in brown and orange. <laughs> it just knows. <laughs> your little floating head is a brown yeah, and orange for one. me, too. <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, Rob, but your northern colors for me. Yeah. Oh, gross. Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 15 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. This week, the regular crew is joined by Drew Evans from BGSUHockey.com. Thanks for joining us, Drew. Happy to be here again, guys. This week we're going to discuss the MTU uh, NMU series, the state of the WCHA. Probably, I can't imagine how we won't talk about the CCHA at all. And then we've got WCHA playoffs, and we'll kind of look back at uh, what the uh, writers and the coaches had to guess for the standings versus what actually happened. Anything I missed, guys? I think that's everything. No, that sounds good. All right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and talk to Drew about everything, I guess. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, welcome back. Maybe we'll start off with some CCHA talks so we can tell Drew what we talked about last week. So... Thanks to that lovely website they created during to, oh, to introduce it, we did a little drop of a good old uh, 56 baud modem load up just because it that felt very fitting. That website reminds me of what I first created in Angel Fire like 25 years <laughs> that ago. That is exactly what I said. I said it felt like <laughs> a 1997 Angel Fire website. The only thing missing was a, a blinking banner <laughs> with like a hockey stick going across it. <laughs> it would have been fun. So, Drew, where did you hear about this news that the Alabama Huntsville thinks they have a shot of getting into the CCHA? Um, read it on USCHO forums. I've also heard it from the guys at UAHHockey.com. Okay. And I think they're usually pretty connected with that stuff. Yeah, I, and that's where I got some news from. One of the guys there dropped me an email saying that um, they're pretty confident that if, if they apply with what they think they can that they would be able to um get in at a five to two vote with only the minnesota schools saying no which i just i don't feel like they're anywhere close to the situation that like st cloud and western were in when the the nchc formed i think like we, you said before we started recording the whole biggest reason as a as a hockey school that you would get rid of these teams. Like if it, if it comes down to coaching level is how much losing to them hurts you and the opportunities you get to lose to them every year by playing them as much as we do. 
Yeah, and I also get the point of, oh, well, if you don't want your pairwise to get hurt, don't play them. Okay, that's a fair point. And I also think if you're looking at, if we just go ahead and plug Huntsville in as an 18, and unfortunately Velasco's own joint, the punch isn't as bad because you don't have those same teams on your schedule every year. I still, from just a perspective of, are they committed at a Division One level? I don't think it's there yet. So, but I could be wrong. No, I agree with that. I think there's people there that want to be, but I just don't think that they are. And especially when you hear what Jeff was talking about, how much the UA system doesn't really care about anything but Alabama football. Yeah. That it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to invest heavily in that. And they've been without an athletic director for what, like almost a year now? Yeah, I think I think Jeff said some like the end of like around the end of last academic year, I think they let the one go and they've been kind of just rolling without one or with a like a, a temporary one. But you know, if they do add them, I I do I I I think you would want to have a little bit more commitment, right? First of all, but it you need to have a bottom feeder in the conference. So if they show a little bit more... Yeah, but that could just as easily be St. Thomas for a while, right? Yeah, but how, that's not a certainty, right? I mean, UAH has a program. It's there where St. Thomas doesn't. Well, I think the thing that's going to make the biggest difference is, and I hate to say this, but it's 2020, how much is Huntsville going to kick in for travel? Yep. So if they're going to be willing to kick in a heavy portion of the travel, it makes it a lot easier to swallow. Yeah, it's it's hard to see. I I don't know. I just don't see it happening at all because it's like I don't think we left we left for a reason. So unless Huntsville like has shovels in the ground and they're building a new stadium on campus and have this giant commitment, I don't see it happening. I think the biggest thing with Huntsville right now is it's been I think fourteen or fifteen years before they've had a winning record at Division One level. Yeah. Uh, and I know I've heard the comparisons to AIC, how they've improved, but at some point, like, when is it going to turn around? Well, they took a giant step back this year. Yeah. So how do you... And it, obviously, the timing of it, I don't think they lost any recruits to the whole timing of this because, it, you know, kids were basically already committed here by then. They're not going to lose kids for this year out of that, as far as I know. I can see them struggling with future classes and we can kind of talk about that more maybe when we get to text new recruit that just came out this evening when we record here on monday night but the the whole situation is just it's just not good and and it would take a lot and i don't know how huntsville in with the way they've been i don't know how huntsville can afford to pay all that subsidy and find a way to actually get better as a program to not just be the bottom feeder and that's what part of the reason I think you have to think part of the reason the seven teams left was to get away from a lot of that issue and obviously Ferris has not been good and I don't know with their rink situation and everything else it's kind of funny to see how they fit with where they've been lately and I don't really see how it's going to be hard not to see them as the worst team in that league for a while yeah, I forgot about them. There's our bottom feeder there. Yeah. I it, To me, it just feels like, more than anything, I feel like Hansel will just be better than the Atlantic. I know the travel's not ideal, 
example, when you're comparing programs and such, it, it seems like they make more sense there. And then they do. Just, just to kind of go back to the money thing, I'm just kind of looking it up right now. So Huntsville's endowment is at $80 million. Not bad at all. St. Thomas, $500 million. So if we're talking about teams that are going to have the ability to finance their programs at a Division One level, I mean, right there is a big positive for that new program. Yeah. St. Thomas has money, and St. Thomas has a lot of alumni that have money. Yeah, and there's going to be a couple of them that wouldn't mind putting their name on on a hockey rink, whatever that costs. Most definitely, yeah. They've, they've got some big money alumni. They've If they want to compete at the D1 level, they'll be able to. They'll have the money won't be what's holding them back from competing. Yeah, I I definitely think St. Thomas is in a much better spot, and and you can't argue that it's not in a better physical location. You know, like it's where we want a team to get that footprint. I know we talked a little bit before. I think on the Discord chat we've talked a little bit about St. Thomas and. Some of the guys get really defensive about, like, we don't need kids from Minnesota or whatever. And I think somebody threw out how good AIC is doing. And I'm like, AIC is not, like, they haven't, I think, what, they went one in seven non-conference this year. And they're beating up on Atlantic hockey. Like, what does that really say? Like, I, I don't expect Michigan Tech to suddenly have 20 kids from Minnesota, but the more you can pluck from the from Minnesota and or take chances at kids, the better. Like I know we've gotten some really good kids out of Michigan lately, and maybe some of the kids we've actually gotten from Minnesota haven't panned out. But I mean, who knows what'll actually happen with Grant Doctor? But a kid like that that was up for Mister Hockey in Minnesota is a kid you want to have on your team if you can pull it off. And Grant Patolny's been taking a lot of kids from Minnesota. Maybe they don't stick necessarily i know he's lost a couple is that right dustin well he lost the one defenseman to denver okay um but he's got quite a few committed from minnesota already i've i know just looking at the list that he's got a lot of minnesota kids committed to northern right now okay but it's it's never a bad idea to have more exposure in a big media market. No. And St. Thomas gets you exposure in the Minneapolis-St. Paul market, which is a huge hockey market. There's no way that is a bad thing for the league. No. And then you've got basically, you've got Bowling Green in Ohio, and then you've basically got the footprint of Michigan and Minnesota, and that adds another team in Minnesota, so maybe you get a little better sponsor uh, because you've got that bigger foothold, especially in the metro, not just in Bemidji and Mankato. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I think that's the direction you should go if you're going to add a team, but you also want to see the same thing out of St. Thomas, that there's a plan for a rink, and they're not just playing at the same rink that St. Thomas Academy plays at or whatever. And also, if you're just looking at stability of the league, <clears throat> I know the question's always going to be, well, is Mankato just going to flee for the NCHC when they get a chance? You know, if you've got a St. Thomas, which is an hour and a half up the road from you, it's going to be a lot easier to make those road trips than, say, your Colorado, your Denver's, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, the biggest thing, obviously, that went down, other than the Tech series itself, the regular season ended, and I thought one thing we could kind of do is look back at what the coaches and the media had to guess way back in the preseason compared to what actually happened. And the biggest takeaways for me are that... 
Bemidji kind of outdid everything in Alaska too. So basically it was everybody picked Minnesota State, which made sense. Everybody had Bowling Green Sinket, so that's probably the biggest stinker on the whole list there, Drew. So maybe that's why you don't want to talk about this. But <laughs> Everybody had Northern pretty much where they finished. It looks like the coaches had them fourth and the media had them third. Bemidji State finishes Sinket, and they were picked third and fifth. And I remember being kind of shocked that the coaches had them up at third. I didn't think they'd do that, and obviously I was wrong. Um, Alaska was fourth, but they were picked seventh and eighth. Tech basically underperformed as well, getting sixth while, uh, while being picked to finish fifth and fourth. And then basically the bottom was all kind of what we expected, except Lake State finished one worse than predicted and Anchorage finished better than expected and Huntsville and Ferris were basically, you know, they were all kind of picked to be bottom three and they were. Um, so it seems like the media and the coaches did a decent job of most of it, uh, but it was also a pretty high line. I think this is the second highest line we've ever had as a conference to make, to host a playoff series. And a lot of that has to do with just how bad the bottom three teams were. Talked about that a little bit last week. Yeah, so last year the bottom three got 63 total points. This year they got 51, which helps explain why a team with 49 points didn't host a playoff series this year. Sorry, Drew. That's okay. Whereas last year, fifth place was 45 points. So a little bit. I mean, that basically makes the difference right there. Speaking of predictions, I do have my list of our predictions for the second half, if you want to compare how we did compared to the media and the coaches. Sure. Go for it. So all we did was pick the top four, who was going to host series in the playoffs. And somehow all three of us came up with the same four teams. Mankato, check. We got that one right. Bowling Green, Tech, and Alaska. So we are running at a nice 50% pace here. Well, I mean, the whole to- we've talked about it several times, how much we thought that Bemidji wasn't going to be able to sustain things in the second half due to the fact that their schedule got so much harder, right? And they hadn't beaten anybody going in to that second right. half. Yeah. They uh, they proved that, was, that we were wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we underestimated uh, Bemidji and Northern, and surprisingly, we all picked Alaska to stay in the top half, and they did. And yep. That is the most surprising thing, I think. But yeah, I, don't, I think uh, 50% average on that is probably not too much to brag about. No, I don't think that is <laughs> no. much to brag about no. at all. It does a power play, but you'd be really happy with that. <laughs> well, that's true. But not the penalty kill, so... So, what was everybody's biggest surprise? If I take out uh, Bemidji, because I think that was probably what we'd all say. Or maybe somebody would say Alaska. It's it's probably BG, honestly. Um, Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that, I mean, this is just my perspective of watching them all year, is they took a pretty big step back in terms of goaltending and defensive play this year. 
And in years past, you know, BG hasn't always scored a ton of goals, but they always had some really good defensive play and some really good goaltending. In the regular season, they just haven't had it. So I think that's been the biggest surprise for me. Uh, number two, and, I, and it's going to sound kind of weird, I didn't think Huntsville would be as bad as they were. I thought Huntsville had a decent chance to maybe be like a seven, maybe a six seed, but they were bad this year. Yeah, with the trajectory of where Huntsville was headed over the last couple of years, I can see where you would think that it's it's surprising that they they did as bad as they did. You know, they um, they've been getting you know at least twenty eight points the last three years and not finishing last, and then here they go and they just fall off a cliff and get back to tenth and can't hardly win a game, and and then of course one of their wins comes against Tech, but. I was kind of surprised that they fell off as bad as they did this year. And I'm also surprised that Ferris has just hit rock bottom, basically. I mean, like, obviously, they can get worse by doing this, being this bad in the new league and being seventh all the time. But, uh, yeah. I'm a little surprised that Anchorage made the playoffs. Uh, It kind of goes hand in hand with you guys saying how bad Ferris and Huntsville are. Yeah, Anchorage ended up being kind of like that default last team to make it. But I went into the season expecting Anchorage to be dead last. Yeah, I mean, Anchorage improved by 10 points. Yeah, so they basically doubled their point total from last year, which is pretty impressive. And and it does seem like Curly, who kind of gets thrown in there from kind of a direction that nobody probably saw coming... He gets the job, and, and it seems like he's actually getting them headed in the right direction. And much like Huntsville at the end, which which I give them credit for, it, it doesn't seem like those teams give up. I mean, I was kind of surprised with how how much of a scare they put into Bowling Green and Alaska this weekend to to make to give Tech fans hope that we would get home ice, <laughs> only to be like let down each time. But you know, they come out and they get the goals and get a lead and, and then they just kind of uh, screw it away. But it was nice to see them still trying hard when they didn't have a whole lot to play for. I mean, I know Anchorage is trying to make sure they stay eighth, but Huntsville had nothing to play for this weekend. Anything you guys want to talk about from the uh, Northern Tech series this weekend? The one behind us, not the one in front of us? I don't know. Do we want to do we want to discuss the uh, the tweet you posted earlier today? If you want, Dustin, did you get a chance to see the video? I did see it. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Drew, did you get a chance to check it out? Mm, I did not. Well, well, go look at my Twitter feed. I think it's like the last thing I tweeted was a nice little video from uh, Saturday night's game in what the second period. I think it would have been. Yeah, it would have to be. Is it on the? Uh... Tech Hockey? Or your no, it's or- on mine. It's on mine. I think it got retweeted by Tech Hockey, so either way it should be there. But It's just Griffin Lawford doing Griffin Lawford things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the ref is basically skating around, and Lofgren falls down like he does a lot trying to get a call. It, it looks like Lofgren is mad at the ref for not giving him the call and just kind of gives the ref a hip check along the along the boards. And and I don't see how you can kind of look at it any other way other than his intention is to hit the ref 
but maybe his intention is to make it look like he's trying to do something else. I don't know, because it, it just does not look good. I can't... Like, I'm guessing the only reason he didn't get called for something there is because the ref didn't see it coming and didn't realize the intent, because it sure looks like he's trying, because he's not really going at the the tech player that's along the, the end line there. I don't know. That might be one of the weakest tip checks I've ever seen, too. <laughs> well, it is to a ref, so... <laughs> you don't want to go strong into those. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this was actually brought to my attention by one of our patrons, Marvin Wilson, brought it up in our Slack chat. And I, in his video was like from his cell phone recording his computer screen. And I'm like, I can do better than that. And let's, let's go record something off flow, like a screen capture so we could actually get this looking good. So, um, I don't know. Like I said, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, even though I dislike him. I, I do think he, he looks like he's trying to pinch, but that's based off, you know, the grainy small little one here from flow hockey. Yeah. Who knows who's got a better view of it, right? Yeah, I know. Like what what they let me what I what I recorded versus what ends up on um, Twitter is also not always like the same quality as what I posted. So depending on your signal and everything too. So you know, it doesn't look great, but it also it doesn't feel like his intense elsewhere. Especially like if it had been anybody other than Lofgren on that team, I might be a little more willing to to look at it as being something else but that just seems like a griffin lofgren kind of thing yeah but he's he gets under the head of of the team he's playing against i've never seen him malicious against the refs you know he's the guy that gets under your skin but he's the guy that's buddy buddy with the refs at the same time you know well maybe that's he was just upset he didn't get the call that time because he is buddy buddy i don't know yeah i don't know it was interesting that's for sure all I know is I'm kind of actually glad that we're playing them in the Barry this weekend. Yeah, we seem to be better against them there, don't we? I, I don't know what it is, but we play better at the Barry than we play at home against them the last you, years. You mean the Grayson Reitmeyer Event Center? <laughs> yeah, I saw a few Twitter edits or a few Wikipedia edits uh, yeah. making it uh, making the name change. But other than that, I mean, this, this weekend series was... I don't know, pretty much exactly what you expect from a Northern Tech series, right? Right. It was... Uh, no matter what the score, it never felt comfortable for Tech till it was Right, over. even when we're up like 7-4, to four, you're still worried about them yeah. coming it back. It felt like that eighth goal was finally the one that made yeah. it feel like it was over somehow. <laughs> right. Yep. And to, to go ahead and, and have them come back and score like right after we score is like the most Tech thing this season. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been such a pattern this year that it's so frustrating to watch that happen on on Saturday night. Hey, Dustin, our other um, bet that we did was most points. Is that over now, or is it the the full season? Well, I just phrased it as the second half. Um, okay. All the other questions are pretty much regular season, so I would say it's regular season. Okay. I thought the points one was the most points for the season. For tech, yeah, it was most points during the season. Yes, so okay. I mean we can count the playoffs for that. That's fine with me. So Trenton Bliss is ahead now, thanks to his hat trick performance. Well, Rob and I picked Bliss, and you had Bretzman. I think those are still two decent choices. Bretzman's second still, isn't he? Yep, twenty six to twenty seven. 
And Bretzman won the goals, or is leading the goals, 16-12. to 12. Well, I think we got one question. Did So, I didn't see this either, but Nathan Fibke said something about... Did Lofgren, when he scored... Who, who scored the game winner on Saturday? No, that was Craighead, I think, is what they're talking about there. And I haven't gone back and looked at this yet. But apparently Craighead, okay. after he scored the goal... He went and he butt-ended like, the logo in the middle of the ice or something like that. Like Yeah, so he went like T.O. on it and tried to like put the football on the star at Dallas or something? Yeah, pretty much essentially, right? So, yeah. I don't know. Little things like that. I did not see it, so I, I don't know what happened, but I have never seen anything like that. And that's basically what he wanted to know. Like, you know, I don't want to see a Tech player do that either. I guess the other thing that we should probably talk about from the Tech series the weekend is the quote-unquote antics from Mr. Jerusik and his straps and his helmet issues that he's had. <laughs> and yeah. Rob, were you, were you the one that was uh, talking about how you've seen him do it? Yeah, he's definitely done it before. Multiple times it's this not, year. This isn't the first series he's done it, and there's no doubt in my mind it's happened before. He tossed it. Uh, he tossed it at Ferris, I'm pretty sure. Okay, and then I don't remember. It's it's happened. It's happened at least one more time than that. He did it against Anchorage because there's a video of that that somebody. When I asked for somebody to prove that he did it some other time this year, they shared like a highlight video of him doing yep. it against Anchorage at home. I think. Yeah, he's definitely done it more than once. I mean, it, so it has happened, and I don't know. I I I wanted to ask Joe about it on the show, but I also didn't want to get the Joe answer of it either on the show. I don't know why. I just felt like he was going to go on some millennial rant if I asked that question for some reason. Yeah, I mean, you, you can clearly see his <laughs> not you clearly why. see his straps are off in both of the times he throws his helmet off this weekend. You know, yeah. the the first time he he gets a puck to the side of the head and it pops a strap and he tosses his helmet yeah. off there. And I don't know what's going on if it's the end of the season and he should have got new straps. And that's probably why most of the time the refs give you the first one. But when he did it the second time, he got the penalty. Well, I'm pretty sure he got he got warned. I'm pretty sure he got warned about it. So he probably got warned the first time and then he got a penalty yep. the second time. Even though I'm pretty sure that's what every goalie is taught to do is when your strap when your helmet gets screwed up because your strap pops, you're supposed to throw it off so you get the whistle. Yeah, and you can could, you could see him. He, he pops right up after that second one, and uh, his lips aren't very difficult to read. He uses a little bit of French, tells him to go look at the overhead because his straps are off. Yeah, and you can see it like on the replays yep. that they... Yeah, I, I took a screenshot of it. And they showed when the guy was... When the NMU fans were like posting the video to complain about it, I'm like, you can see the strap pop, like... That's what he's supposed to do when, when it goes kitty wampus on his head and he can't see right. He's supposed to do that to get the whistle. Yep. But it does. But the more you think about it, the more times it's happened. Because it's pr like based on what you're saying, it's probably happened a half a dozen times this season. I think that's probably fair. Yeah. I, w I don't know exactly. But yeah, it's somewhere around that. I don't have, you know, I don't think anybody has exact stats on times goalie tossed helmet. It does kind of remind me. And I remember that happening to Packy, right? Didn't that happen to Packy? I don't know if it happened in the WCHA championship game, but I remember it happening in Mankato once during that the, the three-game series when we managed to win. But it wasn't Packy that played in Mankato, wasn't it? Didn't Packy get a concussion in Bemidji, and it was Caro that played in goal in Mankato? 
I think Dustin might be correct. Or is it the other way? No, it's the other way around. Carol was the starter in Bemidji and got a concussion, and so we started Packy and Mankato, and then we rode him the rest of the way. Okay. This all kind of reminds me of BG before they redid the uh, fours these last two summers ago. In the north end, one of the moorings that the net sets on was pretty bad, pretty weak. And Andrew Hammond was famous that when he would start to get a little bit of trouble, he would go a little tight on his uh, angle there, pop the net off. <laughs> yeah, And it, al- it always looked subtle enough that I don't think he ever got caught, but if you watched all the games... Yeah, it wasn't like he's trying to... It doesn't look like he's purposely doing it. Like, didn't we have one... Didn't Packy like just pull the net off one time this weekend? He shoved it off the net. No, Packy. Oh no, this weekend Jurassic just shoved the net off the off the mooring once too. Okay. <laughs> was that a Mankato? Was it Mankato? A series where the guy just like on a breakaway or something just turned around and yeeted the net off the moorings. Yeah, so I th- I th- it's a smart thing it was- to do if it's if it's a if you're if you're giving up a two on O, don't you just turn around and push the net off because then it's just a penalty shot against one guy? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. That's that's a better choice. <laughs> I'd have to ask Freddie about that one. I don't remember which one it is. It was definitely a uh, Mankato player. Well, that's interesting that there's there's I, I'm sure, but that's the thing too. Like goalies are kind of their own little thing, and they have their antics and they have their things they do and. You know, honestly, if if Matt's had six times where his strap popped for whatever reason, like maybe maybe we need new equipment manager. But at the same time, like it is odd how often that's happened to him. And but I don't blame. Like I would never be mad at another goalie if you watch that overhead and you see the pot the strap pop and he throws his helmet off. Like that's what I expect him to do. Like it's not surprising to me anymore. Like maybe the first time, and maybe that's the whole problem. Is these you know these puckheads are newly official, so maybe they, they they're not they don't really know what's going on with that stuff sometimes. And it was kind of fun watching them get all upset. And I think I said it in our Slack chat that it for all the players like Griffin Lofgren that like get under my skin, or was it Craig's? I think you were talking about Drew that maybe we wished he had left already. That it's nice to have somebody that annoys the crap out of other fans and probably the other team with, with their antics of like pulling his helmet off and stuff at an opportune what appears like an opportune time, and it's like well maybe you shouldn't hit him in the head then with your shot. Yeah, I, well get ready for four years of what's his name from Mankato. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, that new penalty guy from Mankato? Yeah, get ready for four years of oh. what's his name from Mankato. Yeah, no it. Edwards, it's, right? It's, yeah, I think it's Edwards. actually good to see all that type of chatter on Twitter, though, after the games. It means that the Northern fans actually care for a change, right? Maybe if they could yeah, care they, that much about the rest of the games, they'd have a decent fan following over there. Yeah, I did see Ryan Stieg talked about how he felt like uh, NMU is probably really excited that they get Michigan Tech again to get a couple sellouts, at least. And I was like, well, actually... I think that money goes to the conference after cost, so it's not like it's really bank for Northern, right? Is that right? I don't think that's quite true. I think they okay. charged a flat fee by the league per game. I okay. want to say it's, it's around like 15000 per game. So right off the top, you got to give the league that fifteen k, but then anything that you sell after that's yours. 
Okay, so then Northern would be happy. And that might be a change from the old... Because I don't think that's what it was in the WCHA. I think the WCHA like set prices and basically got all profit after... Um, like I'm sure there's a built-in profit to the school to get something, like a, a minor markup from actual costs versus... Like a gro like a gross versus net thing, but I think everything else went to the conference. But it doesn't surprise me that it's the other way. But st- so that would make Northern happy because they're going to get sellouts versus probably breaking even that they would with a with a set fee thing because their turnout would be probably terrible if it was anybody but Northern except maybe Lake State or something. But even then, I don't know who would necessarily travel. They don't seem to turn up no matter who it is. They're their mentality seems to be a more screw tech than a yay northern over there. Very much so. Which, whatever. Whatever makes the Barry exciting and a fun place for us to win games at, I'm okay with it. Yeah. yeah. We talked about that a lot last weekend, that we you know, we make it fun for guys like Ryan Stieg to cover their, the team up there because it, cause we actually make some noise and make it a good environment when it seems like it's it's not much of one, which really shocks me with how good they've been since Patoni got there, and hopefully they can find a way to keep getting fans out for games other than tech. Yeah, we pretty much have the easiest travel possible, and then you get you know you guys over there who get to head up north on the short notice. Yeah, I'd have to check and see how they're going to do that this week, because a lot of times when you have to book a flight this late, they're probably going to be on multiple flights. Yeah, because it also isn't like it was known for a couple of weeks that somebody was going to Alaska, in which case sometimes they'll try and do like a, you know, they'll book the flight from Minneapolis to Alaska ahead of time, knowing that somebody's going to, and then you just have to get to Minneapolis. But I can't imagine them doing that when you had, you didn't know till, you know, s- Sunday morning that yeah. Alaska was hosting. Does the league cover the cost of that flight? See, that's my only big question I had about that was, does the travel subsidy change for the playoffs? So usually the league does give you a little bit of money as a stipend for the traveling team and the playoffs. I don't know how that works with Alaska, though, because obviously you're not going to cover your costs for that, especially booking flights a week out. Yeah. That's going to be crazy expensive. You're almost better off calling Sun Country and chartering on a plane. Something like that, possibly. Yeah, I don't know what the how that works out, but it's it's definitely it's got to be rough for the guys scheduling the travel to get that all going. And with the way that you know three through six was, there were a, you know a ton of different ways it could have ended up, even into the last night. So. Who knows? You know, that was part of the fun of last weekend. You know, each hockey game mattered. It was good to watch just watch constant hockey. Yeah, and it was nice to have that early start for the Huntsville Bowling Green game, so you had something to pay attention to in the afternoon, and it kind of made for a fun, uh, fun little day. I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time watching I, actually because I'm here in Florida, but I did follow along and got kind of. I tried my best not to get too excited when, well, I guess. I don't even remember now. What Saturday? I don't think Huntsville put up much of a fight, did they? Uh, a little bit. They they tied it up. It was one to one for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, but then third. I mean, BG had like twenty some odd shots in the second period. Yeah. So. Yeah, it wasn't like Friday night where Huntsville, you know, gave us hope and then 
yeah. than, than took it all away. <laughs> no, it, yeah. So basically after after the second period, it was over. You know, I don't see how, you know, for the vast majority of the game, I'm not thinking Tech, or tech is going to get what they need out of that game because Bowling Green scored relatively early, then Huntsville didn't score for a whole, like a whole nother 20 minutes, and then Bowling Green scores twice, and then once that, I think I watched that power play, that five-minute major power play happen, and then I was like, well, I think I can turn it off now that it's 3-1 because I don't see Huntsville coming back, so. Yeah, I mean, if it tells you anything, I mean, DJ played their uh, backup goaltender this game, so. <laughs> yeah, I know at that point... I think are you were you guys settled at that point as to what was happening? You just had to get one point to beat us, I think, in the standings, right? If we were to win, or is even right? That's that's what I'm trying to run through in my head here, real quick. If if we would have won, well, they still if Alaska loses, they're ahead of Alaska if they win, so they still had something to play for. Maybe maybe they were trying to throw it so they didn't end up at Alaska. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody wants to do that, right? That's a tough trip, and I, I think of all the games this weekend that have you know a chance for an upset or whatever, I think Alaska's got, and it's not an upset, but Alaska and Bowling Green, that's that's going to be one of the more interesting ones to watch, I think. I think probably Tech's probably the number one. Tech Northern, I think Tech's probably going to be the upset. BG's probably a second. I mean, the other two series, no offense. Yeah, I, I I struggle to see Lake State taking Bemidji down or even going to three. But, and yeah, the Mankato, uh, Mankato and Anchorage one, yeah, uh, Anchorage could just save some money and stay in Alaska and the results would be the same, I think, <laughs> at that point. But <laughs> it's, you're, you're just going to get spanked. Yeah, maybe the Alaska coaches should just take the opportunity to go recruit at the state tournament versus actually showing up in Mankato. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I do think. I don't know why. I, I don't think there's much chance. I think there's a chance that Lake State pushes it to three for some reason, even with what's happened before, because there's any given day they can put up eight. You know, but I don't see them winning that series. And then Tech and Northern, anything can happen. Like you said earlier, Rob, I kind of like that it's in Marquette because for whatever reason, Tech has not been good at home this year. It's like it's very weird how bad they've been at home. I don't have it. And we seem to we seem to be playing really well on the big ice. Yeah, it was nice to see Reitmeyer score. Right, so I mean, it's kind of nice to see him do something because he hasn't really been. All that useful this yeah, year, and then he he struggled this year. Yeah. So where is it here? Yeah. So Tech is five nine and two at home, and twelve, well fourteen six and one everywhere else. Just just a weird season to have Tech play that bad at home, especially with the environment that the team or that you know misfits and everything else in the band create. That you would not expect Tech to be that bad. Speaking of the band, my favorite thing about playoff hockey. Is that the band gets to go to Marquette and actually play oh, in the very? Yeah. It's great to hear to hear both bands down there. That just makes such an awesome atmosphere. 
Did you see the video that they're they're playing Brass Bonanza now? No, I did not. Yeah, that that's that made their uh, repertoire last weekend. I guess they played that. I saw Dave Ellis posted a video of them uh, playing that, so that was kind of cool to me. So I've been trying to figure it out in my head if I'm going to be able to listen to these games at all. So oh, what I'm the time pretty, zone is? I'm pretty sure that the game is going to start at midnight, UK time. So that's going to make it a little difficult. I know that when I was over in the UK um, for a wedding, Jaeger and I stayed up and listened to Tech playing whoever it was, and we were we were up hanging out with a bunch of the the locals over there in, in Scotland at the wedding that we were at. They all went to bed at the end of the second period. We had borrowed uh, we had borrowed a guy's cell phone because he could make a hotspot for us with it. <laughs> and we could listen to pasty.net by leaving it. We left it in like we were in like the the hot, the wedding was in a uh, it was a castle, but more of a more of like a country retreat type thing, not like a medieval style castle, but a big big country building, right? So we're in the great library with all these huge bookshelves, these giant leather couches. Jaeger and I are sitting listening to the tech hockey game until about I think it was about three thirty in the morning. We finally go to get back and go to bed, and we can't actually get into the main part of the hotel anymore <laughs> because it's locked and we don't have our keys. So Jaeger and I both slept on these giant leather couches inside of uh, <laughs> inside of the library because we had to listen to the game that way over there. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife comes down the next morning like, "Where you didn't come to bed last night?" I'm like, well, yeah, we we were literally locked out of the the castle. We couldn't get to where the rooms were because we didn't have keys. <laughs> I think it, once you get to about three o'clock in the morning, you just go find somewhere and just drink the rest of the night. Well, I mean, we were that, not. That'd be we, my play. We weren't drinking at all. There was that was none of that involved at all with this whole proceedings. Of course, <laughs> no. We had to like. There was no blankets in the room. It was frigid. <laughs> like I had, we we had taken like the the couch cushions off of some of the other couches and used those for blankets to put over top of us. Yeah, it was a good time. But, uh, yeah, so it's doable, Dustin. It's doable. Just make sure you have blankets and get back into your room. Well, I'm going to be there for work, though, so I better not (laughs) screw up my sleep too much. Blame it on the time change. You're just not used to it. When we were over there, or when we were over in Sweden a few years ago, I remember the one, one morning I woke up, and I think, tech was in Fairbanks so the time zone was even further and when I woke up in the morning I was able to throw net on and I got to hear like the last five minutes of the game <laughs> yeah that'd be about right because I know when you know it's about bedtime here in central you're talking about uh, you know Europe's waking up so I would think that'd be pretty close. <laughs> well, the one thing you got going for you, Dustin, is I think Saturday and Sunday are six o'clock puck drop yeah, local time. They are earlier games. Six o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, six so o'clock another, Eastern. Another hour. So they they yeah. they would be done at that's, about one thirty in the morning. That's a five hour time change from Eastern, so that's yeah. not too well, bad. Well, it says right now it's two thirty in the morning there, and the game yeah, would that's, be. Yeah, that's almost as your time change there is almost as bad as listening to an Alaska game from the Eastern Time Zone. I don't see I don't I don't see these excuses as valid. 
<laughs> you should be fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I leave tomorrow morning. Well, what else you got on your list to cover, Tim? We could talk about the state tournament, which I'm also going to miss. You're going you're gonna to be watching that at 2 o'clock in the morning, too? I might be watching that at 2 in the morning. But they're, they're, at least then, like, Thursday, there's games that start at, like, noon. Yeah, so you could watch the, the early sessions, at least. Yeah. The tournament is, like, my least favorite part of the year from a Twitter perspective. Because I follow so many people for college hockey that I actually want to pay attention to. And then Minnesota's tournament happens, and it's all just crap about high school hockey that I just don't care about. Oh, no one hashtags their stuff. It's the greatest time of the year, Rob. I disagree. It's on my Twitter feed. It's full of garbage. My my school up here where I live is the one seed this year. Which one's that? Andover. Andover. That's like North Burbs, isn't it? Well, they yep. were all grumpy because they had to go to Duluth. See, I shouldn't know this. Yeah, they had to go to Duluth. Well, that's because we posted that picture and had that discussion about nobody attending, right? Yeah, it was Andover and uh, somebody else on the north side of Elk River Zimmerman. Because there, there aren't enough big schools in, in northeast Minnesota, basically, to fill Section 7 with only outstate schools. So then they have to pull in northern suburb teams. So Elk River and Andover and, like, what is it, Forest Lake, I think? Yeah, Elk River, uh, Forest Lake, and and Andover, and then Duluth East, I assume. Is there another Duluth school? Duluth East, Duluth Marshall, Grand Rapids, Cloquet, Esco, Carlton. Is Cambridge in there? I'm not sure if Cambridge is A or double A. They're not good regardless of which one they're in. They're part, they might be a co-op too, I'm not sure. And Drew, this is how my Twitter feed feels like this time of year. Uh, Ohio has a state hockey uh, tournament. I think there's about five teams in it. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Everybody makes the tournament every year in Ohio? It's pretty close. (laughs) High school hockey is never taken off in here in the state. And the other big news is there's no Edina this year. Well, the cake eaters didn't make it? Cake eaters did not make it. Cambridge, Isanti, St. Francis, Andover, Forest Lake, Grand, Lap- Grand Rapids, Cloquet, Esco Carlton, Elk River, Zimmerman, Duluth East, and Princeton are all in that section. Okay. So this year's Section 7 AA was Andover, Grand Rapids, Cloquet, Esco Carlton, Forest Lake, Duluth East, Elk River, Zimmerman, Anoka, which is... I don't ever remember them being in there, and Duluth Marshall. Yeah, so I think Anoka got moved into there. Okay. Did Grand Rapids? Oh, there they are. Okay. So, they're yeah, they're always up there. But then sometimes, is Bemidji sometimes in this one, or are they in eight? No, Bemidji's always eight. Okay. Um, Bemidji and Roseau and Brainerd okay. and Moorhead. So what is the difference between the classes? Class A, the bigger schools? Class A is the smaller schools? Class double, double A is bigger. Okay. It's it's a dumb system. It's like minor league baseball. Are there are there no are there no other letters besides the two? No, there's in hockey there's only two, but in football there's like five A. How high does that one go? Six A. Six A. Yeah, it's stupid. It's twenty. It's like minor league baseball going crazy. I know, but it's 
Once you got past 3A, then you should have changed systems because there's 26 letters in the alphabet. Use them. <laughs> but hockey, I don't mind it because it's just A and double A. To no, me, that makes well, sense. the part I don't like about it is there's a section 2A and there's a double A. Like it's, and they don't talk about them the right. Like some people tweet out like 2A instead of writing AA, and it annoys the crap out of me because there's literally a section 2A in the class A playoffs. Like don't. Yeah. I can see that. Understand what you're saying. <laughs> when you get non-hockey and there's like three or four A, then they do a lot more of the abbreviating with numbers. When there's a section that's the same thing, it doesn't work. Well, yeah, they don't they don't write out six A's in football. <laughs> no, so they should just use other letters. So in Ohio, they just do divisions. Division one through whatever. Yep. Yeah. Mi- same as Wisconsin, Michigan. When I was growing up, was letters. Like it was, it was A double A B double B all the way down to D, and then it turned into numbers. I think. Wait, was there ago. a section? Was there a section double D? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was. <laughs> I'm almost positive that well, one of my. I'm, I'm gonna look it up, but I'm pretty sure that when my high school won the state championship, it was double D or something like that. I think we got our cold open, I, boys. I think. Um, I think that might be the reason why. Um, they went away from that system. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have just stuck. There's more letters. In the, I suppose nobody wants to be like class F, but whatever. Like, get over it. It's a different thing than grades. Like, stop worrying about it. But, yeah, I think, Drew, Wisconsin's the same way. I think it goes all the way down to seven or eight divisions. But, like, so one is always the best and then it, or biggest schools, and then it just works its way down to whatever it is. Yeah, I don't know why we have to make this so much more difficult than yeah. it is. Yeah. All right. Just number it and be done with it already. Yeah. I have a great solution for hockey in Minnesota, though. Just have one class. Oh, that's a Pandora's box. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Ohio, there is only one division, but that's because there's only like two dozen hockey programs in the state. Yeah, well, the purists in Minnesota have been clamoring for one class ever since they went to two classes in the early 90s. But, oh well. It's just easier to ignore Class A and Hermantown. I think Wisconsin just went to two for hockey, and I didn't like it at all because it, 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 I don't think they have enough schools to be worth having two. Yep, it was Class Double D when they won their first state championship. Class D the, for the second time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, because I think the dumbest thing about what Wisconsin did is they went to two classes, and then they had, instead of, like, the whole point of adding classes is more kids get the opportunity to go to state, right? That's That's the point, isn't it? To get the experience of getting to go to the state tournament? Yeah, I think so. So, but Wisconsin went and changed the number of classes or changed from single class for hockey to two, but then went and made it so that only that used to be the quarterfinals were at state. Now it's the semifinals. So it's the same number of teams, but now like two, you know, four of the teams are small schools, but Superior is one of the small schools. So they're probably going to win the second division like every year. Well, it doesn't make a lot of sense the way that they did it. No. In Minnesota, it does make sense, but it's but it, whatever. We're getting it way doesn't off topic. make 
it, 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 it the execution isn't always right. No. And and that's that's my biggest complaint. It's it's you got these you got Hermantown and it's obviously everybody complains about Hermantown, but what is the challenge? When you win the thing six times, why why wouldn't you want a bigger challenge? Well and that's why you have to appreciate Blake. Blake doesn't have to be there. And they traditionally no. aren't there. And they chose to play up before they won a D two or a, a single A title, right? Correct. Blake uh Blake was never a front runner in double A or in single A. They usually came up short to Breck. Yeah. They decided to try to compete at double A. They went to double A and it took them what, three or four years? And now they're they're this representative at state from the historically toughest section in the state. So it's it, it it makes a lot of sense for some of these schools to play up. Uh, Hermantown plays a regular season schedule where they're playing double A schools. I mean, they're, they they play Duluth East and Grand Rapids, and they come down to the cities and they're playing the double A schools. And then they go into the single A tournament and they're playing single A schools in the tournament, and they just they they beat up on the weaker competition. That's it. It it really is not the uh, it. it by rule, yes, they're a single H team, but it it doesn't really comply with the spirit of the rule, in my opinion. You're talking about Hermantown? Yeah. You know, the most interesting thing that I learned throughout that whole process of kind of complaining about that is that Hermantown chooses to play up at like squirts and midgets and all that stuff, but when it gets when it gets to J V and varsity, they don't. So they're playing high, better competition the whole way through, and then they play down. They play the class that are allowed to for the for the final or first high school, and they play that bigger competition in the regular season in high school. Yeah, they play a very yeah. tough class A schedule. I guess, and it's just it's just even more pathetic when you consider that I believe Duluth East, Duluth Marshall, and Grand Rapids all up there in Section Seven are all and Cloquet, Esco Carlton. All of them are playing up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's enough of a Hermantown rant, <laughs> considering we've got a kid on the team from Hermantown. All right. So since we're talking about high schoolers and, and kids that will probably end up playing college someday, we might as well talk about the news that kind of broke today that our, our Twitter bot caught, that Michigan Tech has a new recruit now. and His name is... Brett Thorne, he's a defenseman from Carlton Place, which plays in the CCHL in, how'd you describe it, Rob? Uh, the doohickey that sticks into Quebec yeah. of the, Ontario. The, the, the eastern panhandle of Ontario, just south of Quebec. Oh, way, to, way to use the big words. Yeah, yeah. Well, somebody's got to <laughs> do it. So anyway, so he is a defenseman, and he is the third leading scorer in the league with 73 points in 61 games. He's actually, what? So the next highest defenseman's 14th with 59 points. It's a league that sometimes uh, produces college players. A lot of them are not college players, or at least they're not players that go straight from there to college. But, Drew, you said somebody on BG or that was at BG. Yeah, Stephen Bayless, I think, has played at uh, Carlton Place. Yeah, so there's definitely examples of opportunities. Did he play there directly before BG or did he jump somewhere else? 
I think he went straight from Carlton Place to BG. And, well, if uh, a player from one of those... have uh, Theo, Theo Charitas, uh, Tim Theo Charitas, I think also played at Carlton. And we've had some experience at Tech where Jamie Phillips spent some time at another team in that league at Pembroke. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, I don't know offhand anybody else, but you know, when you put up those kind of numbers, you can kind of, like, I don't expect him to be a, a point per game guy in the WCHA off the bat, but he's definitely somebody that can come in and probably be the kind of guy Joe wants in a, in a top two pair defenseman out of the gate, or at least pushing for that opportunity early on. Um, Obviously, some people will look at this and see that if you go look him up on like Elite Prospects, it says he's committed to Anchorage, and that happened. Where that should be on here too, right? I mean, I, I'm just looking up the Carlton Place Arena. He'll feel right at home playing in Ferris. What's that? It's literally the same rink. Yeah. <laughs> so the, um, yeah. So he committed like a year and a half ago to. Uh, Anchorage, and then, according to my source, he even though it says that on here, he decommitted around the time that the news that Alaska and Anchorage might not have teams last summer came out, or whenever you know the whole budget issue with the with those schools. So he decommitted at that time, even though it doesn't say that on Elite Prospects. I don't, Dustin. Did you look at Heisenberg to see what it said about him or anything? No, I didn't have time to okay. go yeah, check Yeah, cuz it literally Eisenberg. came out while I think it came out while you were putting your kid to sleep because I was on my way home from dinner or back to the condo priorities. Here. Yeah, yeah. Things happen, Drew. Life happens. <laughs> I'm excited to take a couple weeks off of this here in a little bit and and not be doing this, but uh everybody gets gets to hear from us here this week. And we're already at 70 minutes, granted there's probably 10 that we're not going to use. So let's just go right into the playoff series. We got, we can, I guess we kind of went through all this, but let's actually make predictions. So Minnesota State, Anchorage, save yourself some time and energy and Mankato sweeps. Unless they feel like an extended vacation before the playoffs. I don't see anything else happening there. Yeah. Bemidji State hoping hosting Lake Superior State. I mean, there's probably a chance it goes to three games if their goaltender, Lake's goaltender, plays out of his mind. But I think Bemidji's playing too well right now. Yeah, I do too. I agree. I, got, I, I guess agree. before yeah, I think, Bemidji sweeps. All right, yeah, we can, I, I can do that after. So, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I think Bemidji I, sweeps. I'm going to pick the three games, but I, I Bemidji win. Bemidji obviously wins. So. On to the two series of the people talking on the podcast. Northern hosting Michigan Tech. What do we think happens there? I think we got a chance to actually, you know, win again down at the Berry. I'll take us in three. I will take Northern in three. How can you let that kind of dirt come out of your mouth? <laughs> what do you? That's why I let that pregnant pause there. <laughs> uh, I got Tech and three Well then I'm going to be the full homer And I'm going to go with the Tech sweep Haven't lost there yet this year Might as well go for 4-0 Let's do it 
All right, so now the the long trip, Bowling Green heading up to Alaska to take on the Nanooks. Drew, you want to go first? Uh, sure. I will. I'll be semi Homer. I'll go uh, PG and three. Okay. Rob, I'm guessing you're gonna have a different opinion, so I'll let you go next. I, I'm. I'll go with uh, Alaska and three. I do think it goes to three, but that trip sucks. And you, you, you know, that's the difficulty there. And Alaska's been playing pretty well, so I'm going to go with uh, Alaska in three. Dustin, I am going to say this is tough. Um, I think I'm going to pick an Alaska sweep, and it is solely because of the hectic travel. Um, Nobody's had to do this in the playoffs in this league before, and I think it's going to just throw a wrench in everything for Bowling Green. There's this one kind of interesting thing about all this is, so BG, the last three, four, five, six, seven, so nine years in a row, BG has won at least one playoff series. So that's interesting stat. That's going back to the CCHA days. So... Hmm. There's that on the line, and then BG's also had a 20-win season for the last uh, probably, I want to say like maybe six, this will be a seventh year in a row if they win at least one game. So there's still some stuff in there that BG is playing for as far as their usual goals. For some reason, BG tends to play better in the playoffs than the regular season. So that's the only thing I can see being kind of that wild card. But again, BG's had really bad defense and bad goaltending. What's the number one thing you want to have in the playoffs? Good defense, good goaltending. Yeah, and and but the, that was one of the most interesting series I remember of the year, though, was Bowling Green at Alaska back in February or middle of February. So, you know, they went to overtime both times, or went to the three on three both times, right? Yeah, it was technically a split, but it was a tie. Both games were ties. Yeah. So two ties. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Alaska in three, just because of the the being up there and everything else. I yeah. Well, I, either way, we we get an Eastern time zone game to watch, and then we get an Alaska time zone game to watch. I'm happy from a hockey fan perspective. Yeah, I'm upset from a sleep perspective. <laughs> see i think anything else you guys want to talk about otherwise i'm ready to wrap up here i think the only bg thing is they announced the uh last home game they announced the new renovations they're putting at the uh bg's ice arena so it's officially going forward now so kind of uh so they announced that there's a two million dollar lead gift there's another donor who's kicking in a million it's going to be so is, it, is it going to be the somebody rink at the Slater Ice at the whatever? It's actually the same guy. It's the Slater family donated the two million. So oh, that keeps. It I easy mean, then. I guess it could be the <laughs> Slater mezzanine at the Slater family ice arena. <laughs> but uh, they still need to raise. I think it's another million, maybe two million. That's two million. They need to raise, and then they can start the construction. That's the only major BG news right now. And what what's the change that's happening then? I uh, kind of like how Tech has, and that's one. The open ends where they've got the suites and the um, club seating. That's what BG's getting. And they're going to put a bar in behind the uh, video board. Okay, nice. You can never go wrong with a bar in the arena. Yeah, all I've got left is you guys and uh, and Huntsville to get to. So, 
And then I've got all the WCHA crossed off. Do we go to Huntsville next year? I was going to say, your time's running out. <laughs> right. If we go, to, Well, we were going to go this year, but it didn't end up happening. We ended up going to Ferris instead. So if we I, do we play at Huntsville? That was a terrible, terrible Huntsville? decision to make. Yeah, Ferris's barn is, is a special place. They they are they are at Huntsville next year. All right, so I'm good. I'll be able to get there. And B and Bowling Green. I'm not too worried about that. We'll be playing BG for a while to come. So I'd be up for trying Huntsville next year if it's a weekend that works for me. So we'll have to figure that out. That'd be kind of cool. It'd be a lot easier for me to agree to do that if if I had somebody else to uh, meet in Nashville to drive down. <laughs> all right so well thanks for joining us drew pleasure to be here as always guys thanks for having me yeah thanks for joining us uh that should do it for this episode of the chasing mcnaughton podcast please check out our patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic mtu jersey patch and access to extra podcast content including our soon-to-be monthly recruiting mini-series Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit your questions through our email address, ChasingMac at TechHockeyGuide.com, or send voice message directly at anchor.fm slash ChasingMacPod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can find the podcast if you can't find the podcast on the site of your choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, share, the more people we can reach so tell your friends please check out johnson's made a series previews every friday mike antliner's old dog in texas call him every wednesday you can find all this and more at techhockeyguide.com as always special thanks to mitch lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint doc mcresin first generous donation to make this thing run or to get this thing running we hope you enjoy also thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode if you like what you hear Check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com.
dark side of the bed This time it's smothered and it might be dead Why won't you wake up Teach me how to drive With your bright blue dress it probably saved my life I'm under your spell And it makes me sick So big 